This is episode 3 with Lee Rowley of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most brilliant minds in business and entrepreneurship so you can learn how to maintain success, enjoy its rewards and take it to the next level. Together, we break down all of the myths, legends, struggles and insights behind what it takes for you to join this tribe of successful entrepreneurs to grow and stay ahead of the pack. I'm your host, Joel Ong of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast. My name is Joel Ong and I'm the host of your podcast today and the founder and video strategist here at Tip Your Time. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share your years with me today again. So today's guest, his name is Lee Rowley. And here is a copywriter who worked with hundreds of business owners from, you know, uh, Russell Brunson of ClickFunnels to even the legendary marketer Dan Kennedy and Joe Vitale, you know, uh, very famous for his idea of the law of attraction and the author of numerous books. And even Russell Brunson in a video testimonial for his website, you know, calls Lee his secret weapon that he was almost hesitant to share with the world. And I think you get a sense why once you start interacting with him. And so in this episode, we talk about, you know, his uh, Lee's perspectives on copy, on uh, how do you stand out to copy in a world that is very skeptical today and how, how do you want to be authentic, how to brand yourself and so much more. And I think that copy is such an underrated skill because it's essentially salesmanship in print. And it's the understanding of how to persuade someone, but you do it at scale. And we dive into various concepts like, you know, the concept of Wu Wei, which uh, is an Eastern philosophy concept of, um, you know, the state of being that doesn't require effort. And I think it's often misunderstood as not doing anything. And so we really dive into, you know, uh, this whole concept and also insights around how you can actually apply it to your daily life. And so it really boils down to this perennial problem of, you know, things that you desperately want to get. Things like money, things like fulfillment, things like happiness, um, things like relationships, success, all these various things that seem very, very lofty ideas and are not easily attainable. And so, you know, this concept of Wu Wei gives us a ticket and a way through of how to acquire it. But um, it can only be attained according to the Eastern philosophers, not consciously trying to attain it. And so it's sort of like trying not to try. And it's similar, you know, to the state of flow that Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi talks about. So how does one actually try to get something without actually trying to try? And so we go into detail about this and, you know, how to achieve, you know, uh, big performance in your lives as well as, you know, uh, some of the least perspectives on it and uh, the habits that you can acquire and inculcate and cultivate in yourself so that you can get better at copy as well as get better at persuasion and also understanding your target audience and target market better. So because the Eastern philosophy concept um, is something that's not very quite well understood or well known. So I'm going to go through some of the uh, brief overview of uh, what we talked about in the episode because I think that um, it might go over uh, most people's ears. And so I think it's important to uh, at least give a primer of what it's about. So 
Lee talks about you know the concept of Wu Wei, which interestingly enough, you know, I first learned about this concept through uh, Edward Slingerland's book Trying Not to Try, and um, it's actually also related to one of the uh, essays by the second most famous uh, Chinese philosopher Wang Yanming, who is you know the next best known after Confucius um, in China at least, and you know they encouraged what they taught was true learning and true knowledge, which is the realization of yourself, um, versus what they call vulgar learning, which is what they call su xue in Chinese. Uh, and this included things like trying to brute memorize something, trying to recite something, right? Things they call in Chinese as ti song. So um, these are some of the things that they they were not a big fan of because they didn't really believe that they're truly understanding something, and you only understand it intellectually. And so really, I think they prize the importance of embodied learning and cultivating your intuition, what we know as our gut feel, you know, um, and so, really, I think it's it's gonna give you a lot of insight. And uh, Lee talks about his, his his way of finding his own voice in copy and what you should look out for. You know, whether it be you're trying to become a very good copywriter, or if you're a business owner and you're looking to find copywriters to help you. You know, what are some of the things that you should f- identify in a good copywriter? And it also leaves perspectives on copy. And so I think you're really going to enjoy it. And without further ado, let's jump into the show. So Lee, um, what made you decide to become a copywriter? Well, you know, Joel, this might come as a surprise to you. But when I was growing up as a small boy in Columbus, Ohio, I, I, I sorry, you know, I'm not even in Columbus, but out in the, out in the, the, the country, I didn't go gee, I want to be a copywriter when I grow up. It just never occurred to me. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I wanted to be a, a, like one of those big guys, like, and, and, you know, it gets in the ring, you know, and he's got the spandex and the sequins and the big, you know, the taglines and everything. And just, you know, I wanted to be that. And then I ended up like six foot tall and about 135 pounds, which is like about, I don't know what, 50 kilos maybe yeah yeah 50 55 kilos or so uh, anyway like you know I'm, I'm i'm no bigger than a minute so it's it, <laughs> it didn't work out so um but i found a love for words and i love found a love for for persuasion um and a lot of that had to come out from being you know tall and skinny and having to talk my way out and get my rear end kicked every day uh, so uh, eventually I, I learned how to persuade well enough to, to do it on paper and you know I've been doing that ever since cool cool <laughs> so so it's, it's kind of like a, a consequence of circumstance I guess it is it is I think all of us can use our circumstances if we can figure out how to spin them into something positive right so why not become a, like a public speaker or you know um uh, a salesperson you know like a why copy in particular i mean um was it was it something to do with like uh maybe perhaps you know um like like for myself right uh when i was growing up like i was pretty introverted so uh didn't mm-hmm. the, that wasn't a direction that i fancied but you know reading and writing and thinking and uh books you know uh those were like uh places that i enjoyed to uh be around so i'm just wondering you know uh mm-hmm. why in that direction 
Well, you know, I was an only child uh, and, you know, I really, I, I've always kept a very, very small circle of friends. Uh, and honestly, I grew I spent most of my life being afraid of people. Um, and, and I'm, it got so I you know, if I'm behind my keyboard, uh, you know, I'm in my element, but if I'm out around people and, and you know, even today I do some public speaking. And I am fine if I am on a stage in front of 10,000 people. That's perfectly okay with me. But you put me in a networking room with like 80 people and I have to shake hands and, you know, like try to like interact with that many people at once and I'll just lose my mind. I'll completely melt down and, and like hide in the corner. Um, so there's an L, there's still a little bit of that is, you know, up until recently, you would not have gotten me on video. You know, I don't even think that you and I would be sitting having this conversation because I was so terrified of putting myself out there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a, to, to your point, you know, I've learned how to do public speaking. I've done Toastmasters. Um, I've gotten so that I can speak on stage. Um, and the, the other part of it, the networking part and, you know, interacting like that is something I'm still a work in progress. So we're getting there. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's just fascinating to me when I first found out about copy and uh, how powerful words are and persuasion. And um, so I'm just wondering, you know, like, um, you know, was there someone in your life or some event in particular that, you know, shaped the way that you um, thought about uh, copy or in, in this case, you know, uh, understanding how to persuade someone, you know, through written words? You know, um most copywriters would probably respond by telling you their favorite copy book, you know, copy that sells or breakthrough advertising or, or, you know, whatever Dan Kennedy, right. Whatever, you know, um, you know, my daughter, um, I, I really do credit my daughter with a lot of that. And, and that's going to, uh, um, Maybe not the happiest conversation because I lost my daughter when she was 10 years old. Um, she went, she had a, a rare disease uh, that she lived with all her life and it was physically noticeable. Uh, her skin was uh, like jaundice, like kind of a yellow uh, because she had liver issues. Um, you know, and she had, she couldn't move as fast. Together. And she had some physical differences and delays that, you know, uh, she took a lot of uh, a, a lot of guff, a lot of uh, you know bullying uh, from the other kids. In addition to dealing with all of her health problems, but you know she had her circle of friends that just thought she could do no wrong. Um, and it really wasn't until after she passed. It was about a year after she passed that I finally realized you know, her skill, just being a child of being able to create feelings in others, of being able to make the people around her that she loved feel like, you know, feel like that they were valued, like, you know, more than any money in the world. Um, that's just how she was. If you accepted her for who she was, you know, jaundice and, and limitations and all, you know, she thought the world of you and she would do anything for you. And so that's really what, you know, to me has brought me much farther than, 
you know, sit down and write one of the handwrite one of the uh, Gary Halbert letters or whatever, you know, um, any copy. Not that I don't, you know, learn, don't you know, advise learning the fundamentals. I do, uh, but it's those life experiences and those special people that you meet uh, that will give your copy depth and meaning. And depth and meaning is what sells and keeps customers. Yeah, that's that's very true. You know, the ability to empathize and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm very sorry about your loss. Um, I I actually you know I found out about it. We were having this conversation, uh, previously. You know, you 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 wrote a mm-hmm. you wrote a post on LinkedIn, and um, it's just very fascinating to me how, um, emotions can, can allow someone to, take action, whether it be in a positive way. You know. I just really wanted to um, appreciate, you know, the the fact that you are sharing this with me, and I I, I think it's it's still very difficult for anyone, you know, uh, especially you know with the loss of uh, one of your loved ones. But uh, I think that perhaps that's I think one of the special reasons why you know um, I'm really attracted by your copy. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that, and it. One way that it really affected my copy is the, is that you know before I, I had learned pretty much the same way everybody else does you know they're like you know here take these templates you know go handwrite these great sales letters be as pushy as possible put like fifteen calls to action in there and buy now and countdown timers and big screamy headlines and you know that's how I was taught uh, and I didn't know any better because like you know there's like all these copywriters over in these groups that are are writing this stuff and congratulating on each other on how creative and how awesome it is and you look at it and go there is no way on earth that that is ever going to sell anything you know it's such great copy and so creative and such good use of this rule and that hook and blah 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 but it's not going to sell a darn thing Mm, so how, how you know? yeah so how how would you suggest otherwise like um what, what has been the evolution of um, the way you thought about it well you know the evolution for me is it's not really i i think it's more going back because uh you know it wasn't that long ago that i can remember you know when you were a salesperson that you actually got to know somebody before you started going here, give me my money, give me your money, you know, here, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? Um, and now we live in this society of instant gratification uh, where we can get pretty darn much anything we want instantly online. And we expect that from our businesses too. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how many people that I get contacted me. They're like, well, I want to be a six figure copywriter. Well, great. How much copy have you read? Oh, oh I just, I just decided this yesterday. Well, okay. Um, you know, there's too many people selling out there uh, there who are selling the dream that you, you can make instant wealth online. And it's just, it, it's, it doesn't work like that. And the tools that they sell you to help you supposedly do that don't really work either. Um, like I say, I, I, I posted the other day, I had a guy that, you know, it sent a bunch of, of cut and paste LinkedIn uh, private messages. <laughs> right. As you saw that one. Okay. So, but at any rate, they, it was bad the first time. He sends it two more times, you know, expecting it to work and then gets mad when it doesn't work. You know, like having it like a sense of entitlement. 
um, you know, eventually the conversation went into, well, you're on LinkedIn. And so it's my right to sell to you. Uh, okay. Um, but marketing doesn't work like that. And copy doesn't work like that. You know, at, at least not if you want to keep the customer and get them to go, you know, hey, friends, hey, everybody I know, okay, come look at this great company that I found. Come look at this great business owner that I met. Man, you know, they've done a great job for me, and I'd love, I, I think you should meet them too because those are your best customers. Mm, you know, here's what happens, though, when you use templated, pushy, gross sales copy that's going to really impress other copywriters. If they buy about 30 seconds after they click checkout and they've done their payment, they're going to smack themselves in the forehead and go, oh, I just got had. You know, they're going to realize that they, they uh, that all the copy has just fooled in of them into buying something they don't really want or need and they're feeling buyer's remorse. Generally, they won't ask for a refund because they'll be embarrassed. But, you know, if you're okay with that, great. But I want to keep that customer. I want to I want to have a customer coming in your door saying, hey, I trust you and I want to do business with you for a long time. And I want my friends to do business with you too. Right. So the goal is retention. Isn't about that plays yeah, that plays equal weight on sales, uh you know, and uh, longevity and retention. Sorry, I blanked there. Sales, longevity and retention. I think this is a, a very convenient segue into um, some, something else I wanted to ask you about, you know, uh, besides the, uh, you know, the personal loss of your daughter. But I want to first, you know, dive into your practice of, you know, martial arts as well and, uh, you know, Taekwondo. You, you, had a, you had a black belt, you know, back in uh, 1991, right? That, that's about almost close to 30 years ago. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, how how has that shaped who you are today? I mean, are you still practicing it or like, uh, was this uh, something? Hmm. Hmm.
Mm, yeah, and a lot of the times, you know, martial arts, like, I mean, it, it's very much similar, you know, to Bruce Lee's philosophy. I mean, like, in even in Jeet Kune Do, right, like, I was reading your article and, you know, like, how can you find the simplest, most direct way of um, doing something? Or, you know, doing away with the unessentials rather than trying to just add more stuff, like what you said, you know, the next, like, shiny object syndrome that, you know, the next thing I'm going to buy, the next <laughs> the next new watch or gadget that's going to make me look cool now, you know. Um, instead of, you know, going back to your roots and fundamentals of how can I train uh, rather than just thinking about doing it once, like, repeatedly over and over again. Um, consistently, you know, it's boring, it's not, it's it's hard to sell, right, you know the fin- principles fundamentals the boring stuff but it, it's kind of like the things that actually work so yeah yeah so actually i just wanted to ask you you know about the eastern philosophy because i love the concept of wu wei that you talked about in in your article mm-hmm. and um i understand it as you know the state of perfect knowledge of you know um the the, the uh, any given situation that uh, is happening and, and sort of like you know like unconscious excellence in terms of something so could you talk to us about uh, that for anyone you know who listening who isn't quite familiar with you know uh, Taoism uh, Eastern philosophy um, you know Confucianism things like that well you, well, you brought up uh, Wu Wei so we'll start there we'll start there Wu Wei is uh, for those who understand it in the West it's generally misunderstood uh, they usually think uh, translated as acting without acting or non-action. Okay, mm. uh, non-action would be the word the word that would come up here. Uh, and to uh, to a Western ear, that translates as doing nothing, basically. Uh, and that's the, that's why a lot of Westerners dismiss Eastern thought is because they see uh, Wu Wei do nothing as you know, okay, I'm going to sit here on my couch and, and eat Funyuns all day. I'll, I'll see you on the, I'll and, see and, on and the just, beach, right? And expect that yeah, something will yeah. happen. And just wait, <laughs> and just wait for everything I want to come to me. And that's not it. Wu Wei is non-force. If you think about water flowing down a, a terrain, okay, and uh, say it, 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 there's a rock in the way, uh, the water doesn't push the rock out of the way yeah. it doesn't stop it finds a way around it finds the path of least the path of least resistance um that that shows up in martial arts where if you know if, if someone's attacking you that you don't want to meet them head on you want to use their momentum to to put them down as quickly as possible so that you can get away right because the less energy you have to exert the more you have to do what you need to do um, you know, I was thinking about uh, the whole concept of like the law of attraction, which is a big thing here um, because a lot of people sell it. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that it's more about uh, let, you know, becoming a, coming into a natural state to allow things to find you. Um, I would say you, know, you cannot have more until you accept that you have enough. Mm. Uh, and that that goes with you know with uh, with everything in life uh with with money with creativity uh with brilliance we think that we don't have enough of it we're always scared that we don't have enough and so we're focusing on being scared 
uh, and then we accept that we do have enough. Say uh, I get up one day and I'm like, man, I really don't want copy. I don't want to write copy. I'm just not feeling it today. Uh, but this client's counting on me and they need, uh, they need something powerful to sell the product. Um, coming into that and, and just trusting, not trying to force the creativity to come, not trying to force the brilliance to come, but just standing in it and just letting it happen uh, and trusting that it will find me. Sometimes it's the hardest part of copywriting. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the difference between your know, natural concentration versus forced concentration that, you know, oftentimes I think it's very misunderstood. Like people seem to think, I, I used to think in the past that I need to brute force my way through something to, mm-hmm. to understand or learn something when really, you know, like oftentimes as, as children, really you see them running around and they're paying attention but just do different things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a healthy, natural sense of concentration and performance and uh, just way of being and way of living that I think that um, I think that more people could tap into. So maybe could you, could you share with us, you know, um, from your years of experience, like uh, what are some of the uh, actual things that you have done to uh, cultivate that? Um, I mean, in terms of the Eastern philosophy's point of view, like, uh, you know, self-cultivation and uh, what are some of the things that... Um, that you do to uh, ensure that, you know, you are more predisposed to being in such a state to, you know, write copy or uh, go about your day? Oh, well, definitely. Um, for me, music's a huge thing. Uh, I, I don't know how well I would write without music, and I'm generally matching it to the tone of, of the copy that I'm writing. Um, so if I'm writing for, uh, I, I work with a lot of fitness trainers, uh, we'll do like, 90 day workout challenges or whatever uh and so that's that that's when the the aggressive music comes out (laughs) heavy Uh, metal (laughs) heavy metal yeah yeah uh i'm i'm a huge fan of of even a subgenre called sludge metal ah yeah Uh, yeah yeah, you know it it tends to be you know like it tends to be instrumental it tends to be lower and, and grindy and it's just slow enough to you know keep kind of put me in that pace um sometimes cello uh droning cello music will just you know put me in that state it's 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 getting there um with you know whatever's going to work to put you in that mood uh another thing that i like to do after i've done all my research for a project and and just let it sit is before i'm going to start writing copy i will pull up a blank google doc and write a journal entry from the perspective of the person who's going to be reading the copy. Mm. So, and I talk about their problems and their frustrations and their worries from their perspective. And by the time I get about a page, I'm like, okay, I'm in this person's mindset now. So now I can go write my copy. I can write to that person efficiently because now I I've figured out what's going on in their head or I've, I've, I've locked into what's going on in their head. Right. Do Do you think that that is easier from you coming in as a, you know, as a as a third party to a business as opposed to, you know, if you were to write your own copy for your own business? Because, uh, I I often you know hear this all the time, and even with myself, it's it's very very hard to put myself in the perspective of who I'm serving, 
especially you know when the ego comes up in a way um some of the uh, beliefs that i have around what i what i do right because obviously you would think that what you do is great and from a certain perspective um otherwise you won't be actually selling it so i'm just wondering like is it easier because um you you know um you're able to come in with fresh eyes um in order to understand where um where someone is coming from before you write that journal entry Absolutely. Um, having a third party is a huge factor. I, um, I do write my own copy now, but that really has only been within the past couple of years. Uh, it's always, I've always found the same thing that you're saying is like everybody, copywriters can write copy for everybody but themselves, generally. Uh, and then when we sit down to write for ourselves, we either freak out or we don't know until write or it's complete garbage. Um, I found out that that has more to do with the belief in who you are and what you're doing. Um, the more crystal clear that is, the easier that becomes. Um, as I have understood more of my why, I've been able to you know, step out of the ego role and into the, you know, the copywriter role. Um, I've made it a, a point of observing people all my life because they go, and again, you know, uh, skinny only child though, as thing, I um, kind of had to watch people to kind of figure out like who was a threat, who's not, who's, you know, <laughs> um, and, and that skill just kind of built is like, I just, you know, uh, once I learned not to be angry, I just learned to like observe and impartially. Um, as if I'm watching a screen, a movie on a screen. Mm. Um, that's really what lets me understand, you know, what's going on. And, you know, that, that fuels my copywriting. So that practice for me, definitely, I like going to coffee shops and just sitting and listening to people. Right. So it's, it's almost, it's almost very similar to, um, this this whole this whole uh conversation around you know Wu Wei and um even I, I mean I first I first got introduced to the concept of Wu Wei from um you know um Wang Yanming who is uh one of the I, I think by far I think the second most famous Chinese philosopher um beyond Confucius and mm -hmm. and he he wrote his very famous essay which is the theory of unity of knowledge and action. And it, it talks about, you know, things like what he believed was true learning and true understanding about something. It isn't just something you know on the outside, but it's more like a sense of like intuition that you cultivate or you train over time through observation, through practice, as opposed to um, memorization or, you know, reciting something or just being able to intellectually understand it. Like, uh, I, th I think that there's something to do with... Um, I, I see some similarities between that and what you're telling me about, you know, um, how you gone about training that muscle of really being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and really understand where, what they're going through. Well, exactly, because every every piece of copy that you write is going to be completely new and it, it should be a completely new experience. Um, I approach every project that I write, especially if it's for a new client and a new audience, as though I've never written copy before, because it is from me to that person, or from my client to that person, rather. Effective selling 
isn't really all that difficult. It's just we, add, as you say, we add all these layers to it, these things that we think we have to do, and and these things we have to say to people to get them to buy, and we're not in tune with the fact that it's not being received in the same manner as we're being told it will. You know, I, I see a lot of sales tactics that like they're obvious and they turn me off because they'll make me say, well, you know what I might've bought from you, but now I don't want to listen to you. Um, which is a shame because the salespeople think they're being clever. Hmm. Yeah. It's almost like false data. Well, you've seen, I'm sure you've seen the, the, the experts online that are constantly posting screenshots of their $100 million months and you know all that. Uh, and it, it, we've come to the point where it's so easy to fake anything online that you, don't, you have no idea if it's true or not. I mean, I, I don't want to say everybody is a liar because that's not true. But I know that there are enough liars out there that it makes everybody look suspect. Mm. It's what drives me nuts when I get a, a client who wants to put a countdown timer on a sales page. It's not that a countdown timer is intrinsically bad. They can be real and valid and they can be an effective motivator. But so many of them are fake and so many of us know that, that every time you see a countdown timer, you go, mm, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to deal with this person. <laughs> it's almost like one of those uh, road shows uh, on the on the streets and stuff that um, they ask for one minute of your time when clearly you know it's not just one minute. Uh, <laughs> one minute, yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, we get those uh, Las Vegas. Uh, uh, we, My wife and I go there every year and there's about every 50 feet, there's somebody trying to sell you a timeshare rental. Trying to shove a snake oil down your, down your throat. So. It is, it is. And it's just like, really? You know, the first time you kind of get caught in it, you'll stand there and talk to the person. And, you know, thankfully, I kind of knew what was going on. So we didn't end up in a two-hour presentation. But, like, after you've talked to, like, 50 of these guys, you know, you almost start to feel sorry for them. Because, like, you know, they're all hitting you with the same pitch. Hey, where are you staying tonight? Uh, your mom's house. I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, if you get them off their game, you find, you know, find out that most of these people are just really don't know anything about sales and they're just being told what they, they're just saying what they've been told to say. Um, I've even had timeshares say people apologize to me. It's like, Hey, I'm really sorry to bother you. Da, 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 da. I'm like, Hey, you're doing a job like everybody else. You're trying. Uh, but when you're doing a job you don't believe in, gosh, why are you doing that? I mean, we live in an era, and I'm not the first one to say this, but we live in an era where things are possible for people that were not possible even 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, it, there's no reason that somebody has to, to do that. I mean, you know, anybody can, with the skill to be a copywriter, can do that. Right. So, so um, what would be some of the, you know, the habits that uh, are things that someone can practice um, and train to uh, become an effective copywriter. I mean, not even in terms of it being a profession, but you know, if you're a business owner or you want to hire a copywriter, it's it's good thing to be able to understand and identify good copy, right? So, um, what would be your advice then? Well, first, it, I think we need to to establish a definition of good copy because that's where the business owners and copywriters get into a lot of trouble. Mm. Um, 
if it works, it's good copy. <laughs> if it doesn't work, it's not good copy. And I so my first thing that I would tell people, I always tell people, like, look, you're going to have to set aside your expectations. You're going to have to set set aside what you think you know because, uh, you know, there are experts out there who are saying, okay, you know, there's only one way to write copy and it's this and this and you have to, you know, pain points and bludgeon them with this and then hit them with that. And then, you know, it's, there's not just one way to write copy. And in fact, there shouldn't be. Uh, Each person, each audience that you approach is going to be different and is going to need to hear something different. So it's critical that you get in and find out what's going on in the world. Don't rely on some avatar sheet that just says, oh, well, my ideal customer's name is Sally and she's 53 and she has 2.5 kids and a dog named Sparky. No, that's not the important stuff. The important stuff is what's going on in their head. So the more that you, the more time that you can spend doing that, the better. Read the books they read. Hang out in the Facebook groups they hang out. You know, read their Amazon reviews. Just anything that you can find out, especially when they don't really know you're listening, to really better understand their world. Uh, that's that goes much much farther for making copywriting that actually works and again gets the sale and keeps the customer than than just guessing or pulling out you know the latest copy move just because it worked for you know Cooper X. Right. Okay. So. Um... So Lee, we're running out of time here, so uh, maybe we just wrap up. Um, so okay. yeah, if you if you had to do anything in your copywriting career differently, I mean, uh, it, it seems that you've been doing it for a very very long time, and, and <laughs> a lot of things has changed. You know, with technology coming in and um, people, as you say, becoming increasingly uh, skeptical and um, businesses presenting themselves online being being more suspect, really. Um, so. If you had to do something different, like what would it be? That's an interesting question. Um, if I had it to do different, I think that I would have really stepped out earlier. Um, again, I spent a lot of time hiding, and I and I hear that from a lot of other copywriters too. Uh, you know, people become copywriters because they want to be able to hide behind the keyboard. Um, but in case you haven't noticed, there are a lot of copywriters out there. So if you know, if that's something that you're going to do, uh, it's not just good enough to be competent at your craft. It's not good enough to have some certification from whatever entity deems you worthy of writing copy. Uh, I don't really care. Well, no, I've got some digital marketing. Never mind. Um, so what matters is just standing out uh, beyond getting really good at copy. Uh, so I would have specialized earlier. I would have gone to the audio video earlier. I would have stood out and I would have stopped being afraid of saying what I think, because, you know, I, I think that it, in, in addition to becoming a copywriter, you need to have a following who believes in your particular philosophy and your particular way of doing things. So uh, you are not immune from the need to, build a brand and build an audience if you want to be successful if you're okay with with doing piecework here and there for the rest of your career that's fine but i can tell you from 12 years of copywriting experience that's gonna get old fast okay so um last question how do people get in contact with you 
Uh, LeeRoley.com is my main portal's uh, website. Uh, it's also where you'll find my podcast. And uh, I hang out mostly on LinkedIn these days. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, the Lee Roley. Uh, and I really don't mess much with Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or what the heck ever else is going on these <laughs> days because it's just too much trouble. I like the LinkedIn and I've met wonderful people like you through it. So that's my home. All right. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time, Lee. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Head over to video.sell.com, V-I-D-E-O-T-H-A-T-S-E-L-L.com to download your free report on eight simple ways to grow your business using video. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are listening on. And once again, I'm Joel Ong and I want to appreciate you for listening in. And please leave us a review because you have a unique story and we want to hear it. Talk to you soon.